Doug Block is rejoining us. He's been on the show a number of times before. Glad to have him back. He's political director for Teamster Joint Council 7. That's in Northern California, just north of where I'm sitting now and where I used to live in the Bay Area. My husband was doing his residency back in the day. And uh, great to have Doug Block back with us. Doug, good afternoon and welcome back. Thank you, and it's a sunny 75 here in the Bay Area, not to rub it in to some of your listeners. Okay, I'm going to rub in more. It is a sunny 79. (laughs) 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 Then again, it might be a little too hot, uh, too hot for some uh, people uh, who are listening. Um, Let's talk about how sometimes when you have something like a joint employer issue, how a federal judge has to step in, how it has to come to a court level. Um, First of all, let's break it down into what's going on and what companies and industries are involved. Browning Ferris Industries owns land and buildings of the Lead Point Recycle Center in Milpitas, California. That's in Northern Cal, where you are, as you know. Uh, But not everyone listening may know, you know, every town in the Bay Area. Now, its on-site supervisors will often tell workers where to stand when they're collecting plastics, trash, or other materials that come in. BFI supervisors ponder if the center's production line should speed up, slow down, or even stop. But BFI, Browning Ferris Industries, they don't pay the workers. They often do not even manage the routine daily tasks. Lead point, the firm at the Recycle Center does. Let's talk about, this is an example of a joint employer issue, and it would seem that somebody gets hurt, and I'm imagining not just hurt, but somebody gets uh, dumped on, and that's the employee, not either of the joint employers. Am I correct in that? That's right, and we've talked about this issue on your show before uh, when we talked about Taylor Farms and their use of temp agencies as well. And I think uh, I'd like to go back in the last three or four decades. We have seen a growth in a change in the nature of employment structures. Some people call it the fissured economy, uh, but call it what you will, we've had an explosion in the use of independent contractors in contracting out work and using temp agencies. And the bottom line for an employer is uh, they're not just contracting out work, they're contracting out any sort of responsibility and accountability for the workers. And that's uh, that's what this case gets to the heart of. When I talk about and use the um, term joint employers, it, it, it's, it's an actual term that the National Labor Relations Board has set up and ruled, right? They, they legally, they technically and legally ruled that Browning Ferris and Lead Point are joint employers. Um, that has actually landed both the board and the firms in court. Talk to us about talk to us about that, Doug. Explain that to us and explain why. That's exactly right. So we have uh, represented the people who drive garbage and recycling in San Jose for a long time, and in 2013, uh, we started a campaign to organize the people who sort the recyclables. Uh, BFI, which is now called Republic, brought in this temp agency lead point to hire people and process payroll. And as he said, they worked in uh, BFI's facility sorting the garbage and recycling. And no pun intended, garbage is dirty business. So we went to organize those workers so they could join the rest of the Teamsters 
who work for Republic, and we got into this issue of who's the boss. Uh, we argued that for all the reasons you described, BFI was jointly responsible for these workers when it came to organizing and collective bargaining. Uh, they challenged it. It went all the way to the National Labor Relations Board in D.C., which ruled in our favor in a very precedent-setting case that could impact industries all around the country. Uh, and the reason why we now find ourselves in federal court is because BFI, rather than taking responsibility for their workers, joined the Chamber of Commerce in appealing that decision to the, to the uh, circuit court. Looking at this is, and you had mentioned Taylor Farms, is this becoming more of a regular practice just in agricultural um, areas like California with Taylor Farms? Is it just a state like California um, and also because of its size? Or is this something that you see and hear about happening, Doug, on a national level nationwide? This is this is happening on a national level, and it's hitting every industry, healthcare. Uh, uh, in the public sector with use of temp agencies in agricultural, solid waste and recycling. There's no industry that's immune to this. And if you look at all the industry associations uh, who join with the Chamber of Commerce to say the sky is falling if this joint employer ruling stands, uh, you'll see that really every industry is lined up against it. And it's understandable why. I mean, and, and, and I want to ask, technically, when these employees have two employers, do, do they have to do what they're told by somebody who's really not their employer and not paying them? Or, or yes, they do because of the decision that these are, quote, joint employers, even though a court may say you can't do with that and severs this relationship. Well, I don't understand if you have a BFI person directing people who are working in a BFI facility under terms and conditions that are set by BFI, why they're not the employer. Uh, an interesting thing that hasn't been covered, Leslie, is we found out these workers were being shortchanged to the tune of $7 an hour under the city of San Jose's living wage ordinance. So we filed a complaint with the city. Uh, Lead Point said to the city, well, we're not the employer. We just hire the people and do payroll. And BFI said to the city, we're not the employer, lead point is. Uh, now here we are, uh, you know, over three years later, the back wages owed to the workers and the penalties are, I think last I heard, close to $20 million. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this is how the rich get richer in our country, right, Doug? And this is why uh, sometimes this and this is exactly exactly. You know, I was listening to a report today um, in the country of China, communist country of China. Um, they're anti-union, the entire country. And you just hear about the complaints uh, from the employees and the terrible, horrific work situations that they have. Thank God. For an organization like the Teamsters, somebody who is standing in the gap uh, for these employers, because this must be very confusing. It's bad enough to have one boss, but what about when you have two, right? That's exactly right. It's very confusing for the workers uh, when they get injured or if they're getting shortchanged on their pay. You know, they, along with the workers at Taylor Farms, helped us pass joint employer uh, standards at the state of California level in 2014 
which holds employers jointly accountable when they violate things like overtime rules or minimum wage or workers' comp or OSHA issues. And this was a clear example to the California legislature uh, why we need that. And so the, the funny thing about this with the NLRB, they're tasked by the Supreme Court describes one of their responsibilities is to adapt the National Labor Relations Act to changing patterns of industrial life. In this case, they went back to a joint employer standard that existed before. And uh, and now the Chamber of Commerce is saying, well, we want you to go back to the one that existed probably during the Bush era, uh, that lets employers get off the hook when uh, these sort of issues happen. When we look at the uh, joint employment and definition of that, it means that both firms are responsible for workers' rights at that recycling center, and that includes following labor law. Uh, when mm-hmm. you guys at Teamsters Local 350 conducted an organizing drive at Lead Point and then bargaining with the local um, after, you know, they won the vote in 2014, 73 uh, to 17, um, what advantage or, I mean, not advantage, what disadvantage is this to you when you sit down at that bargaining table? Well, the problem is that all the money is, all the money comes from the city of San Jose to BFI or Republic, whatever you want to call them. They have a franchise agreement with the city of San Jose. Republic gives the money to lead point to pay the workers. So by winning this ruling, Republic is supposed to sit at the table with us and bargain, which makes sense since they're holding the purse strings. Yet they have, uh, in appealing this, have refused to sit down and bargain. And as you said, we won the election, and still several years later now, these workers don't have a contract. And uh, they're they're being cheated out of San Jose living wage, as I described. And it's not cheap to live in Northern California. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Doug Block, political director for Teamster Joint Council 7 in Northern California. Check out Teamster.org for more information so you can find out what you can do to help, and you can find out what your rights are or could be under having the Teamsters take care of you and help you with your employers. Also follow them on Twitter at Teamsters. Be sure to like them on Facebook as well at www.facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. More with Doug, more with you right after this. Don't go away. We are back and he is back and we're glad to have him in house. Doug Block, political director for Teamster Joint Council 7 in Northern California. IA. Doug, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking about federal judges tackling the joint employer issue. And as I mentioned, the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, ruled that the company Browning Ferris and the company Leadpoint are joint employers. Well, the board and the firms uh, have landed in court um, over this. Um, This we talked about before the break, Doug, is an issue that is important to workers and not just with those two companies, not just in Northern California, um, but uh, nationwide. I want to give some numbers. Temp agencies alone employ more than 2.87 million. That's almost 3 million workers. And there are millions more that are in other, quote, joint employer relationships. Um, This is not only confusing to the employee. This not only makes bargaining, um, you know, the collective bargaining process more difficult for the union that represents those employees, um, but it, it, it also 
waters down the worth and the value of that employee, which can trickle down literally into what a company is willing to or trying to pay them or any kind of benefits like health care or pension uh, and the like, correct? That's right. And uh, I'm glad you talked about the far-reaching impact because this really could touch every industry in the United States. As I mentioned, uh, government agencies are in the business of bringing in temp agencies here and in uh, Northern California, Silicon Valley has a huge army of uh, temp agency coders and engineers. Um, we see it in healthcare. We see it in solid waste and recycling. We see it in construction. We see it in building services and hotels and hospitality. And everywhere, these employers are trying uh, warehousing distribution. These employers are, are trying to create a buffer between them and the worker and responsibility for the worker. And I don't want to deny that there are some times where it makes sense to use a temp. Um, but uh, in the case where you have one employer that are dictating the terms and conditions of the worker's employment and directing them, our, our position and the NLRB's position is they should be jointly responsible. You know, when you look at a Wall Street-type firm, okay, somebody that's not going to have a union come in and do things for them on a corporate level necessarily, but, you know, maybe on a different level, who, has, who do they have as a temp? They have somebody come in who covers for somebody's maternity leave for maybe a position that they don't have the time to interview for or haven't found the right person to hire on a full-time basis. It's called a temp because it's supposed to be temporary. And these employees are not temporary and shouldn't be treated as such. That's right. Going back to the Taylor Farms example we talked about, we saw workers there five years, ten years or longer as a quote-unquote temp working side-by-side on a production line with somebody who was a direct hire of Taylor Farms. And when those workers got hurt, uh, Taylor Farms and their temp agencies spent time pointing fingers at each other about who was supposed to be responsible for the workers' comp claim while the injured worker was waiting to get treatment. And that's the type of stuff we're going at. That's what we, we won when we passed the state legislation in 2014. And by the way, Every employer group, the Chamber of Commerce, everybody said they were exactly the same. Chicken little running around. The sky's going to fall if you pass this legislation. The governor signed it into law, went into effect in 2015. Business is operating as usual, but workers have more protections. And that's the same thing when it comes to organizing and collective bargaining that the NLRB wants to give to workers. When the NLRB contends that somebody's joint, like BFI or Leadpoint, and I want to point out a company where I had my first job, McDonald's, um, there there are headquarters of McDonald's, and then there are the local franchises, which are also part of this joint employer relationship, according to the NLRB. Um, They even said that the employers are jointly responsible for obeying or not obeying labor law and worker rights. One, Doug, there is not, there should not even be a responsibility for not obeying because not obeying should not even be an option 
And then when you add two employers having this option, that would you say you have double double the employer trying to evade responsibility for unsafe working conditions, as an example? Oh, that's that's absolutely right. And by the way, this could change the franchise model for the fast food industry if this ruling stands. With, look, with, in warehousing and distribution, we've seen in the uh, Warehouse Workers United campaign have seen these situations where you have Walmart who uh, has a contract with somebody who owns a, a distribution center who then contracts with somebody to run the distribution center who then contracts with a temp agency to uh, uh, hire the workers and do the payroll. Walmart is in control of the whole situation. And uh, in that case, you have the workers separated by four or five different layers from uh, the entity that's calling the shots. And that's even more confusing. Doug, thank you for being with us. Doug Block, political director for Teamster Joint Council 7 in Northern Cal. Visit Teamster.org for more info. Follow them on Twitter at Teamsters and like them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Teamsters.